Hi, I'm Helen and this is Why Mums Don't Jump. Busting taboos about leaks and lumps after childbirth. All the stuff that happens to your pelvic floor that no one ever talks about. Incontinence, prolapse, pelvic pain, problems that affect millions of women. One in three. I'm one of them. I have a prolapse. My pelvic organs fell out of place after the birth of my second child. And if you had told me back then that I'd be speaking about this stuff out loud, I would have told you to give your head a wobble. Hi, welcome back. How are your bits? Um, I am doing, I'm doing all right. I've been really enjoying getting out from my little runs in the spring sunshine. More of that, please. What else? I got angry with Instagram who buried one of my posts because it had the word vagina in it. Don't get me started on that. More radio and magazine interviews about the book that's been happening, which is great because obviously anything that gets the word out there is a massive win. Thanks again to everyone who's bought the book. And if you've read it and liked it, then here's a little reminder to please leave an Amazon review to help others to find it. Cheers to everyone who's done that so far. And thanks as ever, for your lovely emails and messages. It's been really great to hear from a couple of doctors this week. Um, it's, it's such a privilege to be able to keep these pelvic health conversations going on all fronts, so please keep them coming. I'm delighted to say that today's episode is sponsored by The Mummy MOT, a specialist postnatal examination for women following vaginal or C-section deliveries. We've mentioned it before on the podcast. It's an hour-long assessment to look at your posture, pelvic floor and stomach muscles and get you back on track with your fitness goals and your life. Your mummy MOT practitioner can talk through any concerns you might have, maybe about prolapse, pelvic girdle pain or perineal tears, provide you with a gentle exercise plan and treatment to help with your recovery. They're based all over the UK and Ireland and are there to listen, advise and offer referrals if needed. Find out more at themummymot.com. Today's episode is with a mum of two. Prudent Horton, who lives in Kent with her husband, seven-year-old daughter and 15-month-old son. We connected on Instagram a while back and she agreed to share her pelvic floor troubles. She's had a rough time over the last couple of years, but she's one of those people with the most infectious laugh. I promise you will smile when you hear her tell her story. A quick warning though, you will hear descriptions of perineal tearing and blood loss at the start of this conversation. As we begin with yeah, the birth so of her son. Obviously, um, you know, I've got two. Um, when I had the first, I thought that was a bad delivery, but obviously it wasn't, because um, then he happened, and um, he was quite a heavy baby. Well, for me, because I'm quite small. So he weighed eight um, pounds too, but he was just a lot bigger than I think anyone had anticipated, because my bump was quite small. And you know you get the comments, oh, your bump is tiny. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> actually, it was just way bigger than we all had expected him to have been. And during the birth, he just went from not really coming to just coming way too quickly. And with my daughter, I had an episiotomy. So obviously, there's all that old scarring tissue there. And I was fully aware of that. And I knew that there's certain positions I didn't want to go in because that would then probably make that scar just reopen. And I so I was aware of that. I mentioned it. I think they did what they could to prevent it. But um, so I was on all in all the positions besides my back up until him not coming. But I think he was getting a bit distressed, and they thought they really needed to get him out. Um, so as I went on my back, he just came, and the wound just went like that. <laughs> I guess. 
And it was just, yeah, so they said it was a third slash fourth degree tear. Yeah. Um, and obviously within that happening, I just lost loads of blood. So I lost 1.5 litres of blood, which didn't help either. Um, and just going from like only having gas and air to the blood loss being so high and the tear being so bad, I then have had to have um, a spinal blocker to um, get the wound repaired. Yes, yeah, so straight into surgery. Exactly, yeah. literally. And I feel like at that moment, because there's so many people and it just all went crazy so quickly, I just thought, oh my God, what's happening? Like, I'm not going to leave the hospital because you just kind of think the worst at the time, I guess, right? And um, there, there was one point they weren't sure if they should repair the wound now or it was just all a bit onshore in the room, which didn't help. And in my husband's face, he was trying to be positive, but I could just see it. Um so it just went downhill very quickly. Um, I think, like, the pregnancy was all right. I had loads of pressure, which I mentioned, but, you know, like, I didn't take it seriously. I guess because I wasn't maybe saying I was too bothered about it, maybe as a result it wasn't taken as a bad thing, you know? Pressure, um, you mean just a, a feeling of pressure? Yeah, yeah, just loads of pressure, like, in my lower abdomen. Right. Um, and I think, because I just kind of kept it moving throughout pregnancy, because I felt quite well, I was, I mean, I had nausea throughout and I was vomiting throughout, but besides that, like, I felt well, I looked well, I thought, <laughs> great pregnancy. So I didn't really, maybe I should have put my feet up a bit more. I don't know. I Stop blaming yourself. <laughs> um so yes I didn't take all that seriously at all so obviously the birth happened um so they repaired the wound we were in hospital for a little while and we came home and I thought you know everything's fine but I literally felt like I had no control of anything Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I didn't I didn't know that was a thing like no one said oh this may happen when you go home and that makes you emotional so like going to the toilet and stuff just like yeah like I wouldn't make it Mm -hmm. it was a joke like I was sleeping but I had like was putting loads of towels on the bed because I thought like what's happening to me I was I felt so broken it was awful It's, it's really shocking and scary and unexpected because like my daughter was a C-section, my oldest child, and then my son was a, a V-back, so a vaginal birth ah, afterwards. yeah. Um, so, yeah, to, to sort of try and get in, in hospital and go to the toilet and just have this sensation of everything just to, just, just goes. <laughs> I, I met, I, I was, it was so shocking to me that I mentioned it to the to the midwives and they were like, yeah, 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 yeah that's fine. That's, yeah. I was I, like, I, that happened to me, yeah. I know. The lady came in and I was like... Like, this has just happened. I couldn't make it because it started happening before I left the hospital. And they were just like, oh, no, it's okay. And I thought, well, like a little bit of warning. Like, nobody told me. And it wasn't like that after your daughter? No, not at all. And that's what I'm saying. I thought Mm. that was bad because of the episiotomy and the healing from that. (laughs) Actually, it wasn't bad at all. (laughs) So, um, so, yeah, um, before leaving the hospital, it started happening. And they said, you know, as time goes on, it will be fine. It will get better. And it just didn't really feel like it was getting better. Um, And they mentioned, like, modifying diets. And obviously, with the wound, I guess you needed everything to kind of be loose. So I was given all sorts of medications to take home just to help with, I guess, stools or just... So laxatives and things. Yeah, yeah. so I had. To, um, I was given laxatives. I was given blood thinners. I think that was just um to prevent clotting, etc. Yeah. And then 
I think I was also given some antibiotics as well, just to prevent infections. Just so I felt like yeah. I was on lots of meds, <laughs> not quite sure why. And then obviously I wasn't making it to the bathroom and I was trying to feed him. Feeding was hard. He had a tongue tie. It was just dealing with him and I felt bad about his situation. And then my situation, it was just a lot. Yeah, yeah. It was just so much. Um and so that was in like the early days that was in the early days yeah so initially I just thought okay we're gonna figure him out but I didn't expect my situation to (laughs) need figuring out as well like getting used to but then so that was in the first few days and then at about you get a midwife come over about five five days check so she came over and I told her about that but I also told her how so at this point I started feeling like heaviness as well um, so I mentioned that to her, but she said, you know, it was just swelling because of how bad it was, etc. And I thought, okay, fine. So obviously took her advice, just try to take it easy kind of thing. And then days went on and the heaviness just continued and like pain. I had the worst pains in like my lower abdomen, like across my belly button area. And it was just awful. And I found that the pain was worse as the day went on Mm -hmm. so towards the end of the day it would be worse I'll be washing the dishes and I would think oh my god I need to sit down Mm -hmm. like I'm in so much pain um and again I mentioned that but nobody really thought well said it was anything to worry about and I thought this is ridiculous I got a mirror and I was just like yes (laughs) um I don't remember it looking like this and that was probably the worst thing to do so I got the mirror then I thought this is a joke I'm gonna google it and then I googled it and I was just like what is a prolapse yeah. like oh my goodness is that... yeah. so I was looking at images yeah. I was like reading all these articles I was up at ridiculous o'clock during the night because obviously you're trying to feed as well anyway so I'm up but it was just it just didn't it helped because it made me aware but it didn't help because it yeah. just sent me down a rabbit hole <laughs> yes <laughs> I know just... you could uh, you could be speaking for me exactly the same thing and it's like okay it's like, I think I might have found out what's wrong, but I kind of wish that I hadn't found out what was wrong. And now I'm reading everything there is to know about it. And I feel like, wow, this is game over. Like, I don't know where how, where this is going to end up. It was awful. I just thought, I just, I think I obviously wasn't aware and I didn't know it was possible. And then I thought, no. okay, right. So I started trying to figure out how to fix it. So I was like looking up all these gynecologists and I was emailing people. (laughs) I ended up contacting this woman's health, well, a gynecologist, and she works at the um, hospital that I had him. So then she then pointed me in the direction of a woman's health physio because she said that I maybe need to see her first. So, so yeah, so we booked this private appointment because I just wasn't quite getting anywhere with like the midwives or just with the normal services if that makes sense and actually yes I booked the appointment with her and but even prior to that I was expecting because of the tear Mm -hmm. I should have had a gynecologist check in January I think it was because he was born in November so they gave you a bit of time for things to heal etc I should have had an appointment in January but because of Covid I think my appointment just kind of got lost in translation yeah um and it was being treated as a normal gp referral rather than a perineal checkup following a bad birth Mm -hmm. so that didn't quite help so i was also trying to call everybody in relation to that just trying to get that Mm -hmm. sorted that didn't quite happen either i tried to push my gp 
that's a bit tricky, I think, in the early days of having a baby because they're not sure whether there's actually something wrong with you or if it's just too much stress and I'm possibly depressed. So there was that. Um, There was appointments made, but I think they just questioned whether I was in the right space. Mm -hmm. So at one point I had to get my husband to come with me because I felt like I needed somebody to advocate for me. Like, I wasn't... I mean, I was stressed, but I wasn't, like, depressed because... I could think for myself, I just had problems that I wanted somebody to actually believe that I had. Yeah, that well, makes so, sense. I mean, yes, you're going to have symptoms of depression and feeling sad and upset and, and traumatized and emotional, but there's actually like a physical reason for that. Yeah. And that's the thing that you're asking for help with at that point. Um, yeah, I know. I know what you mean. It's a it's a muddied waters of oh everything gosh. all at once, isn't it? It so was. And it just felt even much harder, I think, because of that. Mm. So anyway, my husband was like, right, we need to get you seen so that actually at least a professional can give some advice. And um, whilst we were waiting for it to get sorted with the GP. Um, so we saw the woman's health physio. She assessed me. She said, yes, you do you know, have early stage prolapse. Um, And she then wrote a letter to the GP, which pushed that um, ahead for me to actually get seen by the gynecologist department. So yeah, so I saw her, I had a follow up with her booked, but by then, I actually had my appointment rescheduled to go to the hospital, which was a good thing, because it's quite pricey to obviously make these private appointments and I just think oh my god if like thank god we were in the position where we could do that because I would have just been at home just wallowing thinking I can't get an appointment Mm -hmm. and yeah so my second appointment with her I cancelled that because I actually got to see a woman's health physio um at the hospital that I um, had him at and I also got seen by the urogynecologist as well which was I think was quite good And they basically confirmed what the private um, appointment had said. So she confirmed that I did have a stage two prolapse, she graded it as, of my bladder. So she just said it's basically shifted and it caused pain. When I went pee, I didn't quite know where it was coming from. So yeah, it was it was just a lot to So you were about you were about uh five or six months into it by then. And how yeah. were those symptoms like you described like not making it to the toilet and like um urine incontinence or bowel incontinence or both or just So it to begin with it was both. However, when I saw the first appointment with the private health physio, she suggested coming off of those laxatives to see what that would do. But I was also on quite a lot of iron from the blood loss. So it was trying to find the middle ground. So it was a matter of just playing around with the the things that I was taking. To And as time went on, it got better. And then we spoke about my diet and also about... Um, exercises that could I think it wasn't even a matter of retraining the muscles to begin with it was just to try to wake them back up kind of thing so that they could do (laughs) the job that they're there to do so that really helped so the urine incontinence that kind of kind of I mean I was running to the bathroom but I was making it so that got better as time went on and even now like it's so much better and then bowel incontinence thank goodness like that stopped because I just mm-hmm. I don't know how I would have like face leaving the house if that continued um but yeah so I started seeing the um woman's health physiotherapist at the hospital he was born and I basically had a session with her 
once every two weeks and then that reduced to monthly. We spoke about exercises, about breathing, just learning how to relax really and then alongside her we paid for a private osteopath which my it was initially for my son because he had the tongue tie mm-hmm. and that was um released so he could obviously feed so thank god he started feeding at 11 weeks which just felt way too late but it happened um but then we st- I started seeing her as well and she basically massaged my fascia um, which I didn't even know existed again. No, I mean, it's all a bit of a mystery to me. So tell me which part of your body, like, in, she did that internally, like a physio would? So, or? She, so she did a phys, she did an exam, like a vaginal exam, like a physio would, yeah. just to see where things were lying. And um, she spoke to me about the birth, asked me to show her where the pain was, and just asked me about, like, a normal daily routine. She then made suggestions on how to actually relax. So I think my pelvic floor was quite tight and just quite tense. And I think where I was so stressed as well, that didn't help because that tightened it even more. Mm -hmm. So we spoke about breathing exercises to help me to relax. At the end of each day, I would literally lay down, feet elevated, just like breathe. (laughs) Yes, it's so important. I felt so crazy. (laughs) (laughs) but it was so important Mm. and it helped so much and she was like you need to I needed to have like a calm moment and and breathe and literally feel my shoulders like drop which I didn't even and actually you can once you get into the zone you can feel like the relaxing happening um and I needed to learn how to release my pelvic floor and my fascia she basically explained like that it was like it's like a netting that holds all like the organs and the muscles into place and when my bladder moved it was obviously not in a place that it's used to being in so it was then pulling on everything else which was as a result causing that pain so she therefore literally like poked into my tummy under my ribs like massaging I don't know what she was feeling for, but whatever it is she was feeling for under there, she was massaging it and releasing all the tensions within that area. So therefore things will then sit back where they should and stop tugging. Yeah. Because if where the bladder was pulling, it was then tugging on all other strings of Mm -hmm. the fascia, according Mm -hmm. to her explanation to make me (laughs) understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, And having released that, that should then make the pain go. And, and do you feel like that helped? Because I've not spoken to anyone who's had osteopathy before and uh, that makes practical sense to me. And yeah, did no, you find yeah, that it helped? I, it really, I felt so relaxed. And she also, she like laid me on my back and put like a piece of wood here and like cracked my back. She just like released, I guess, all that tension that I was holding. Yeah. And it did help. Well, something helped because as time went on, that pain will get less and less each day. And now, if I get super stressed and I've had a really busy day, I would feel like the pain is maybe coming back slightly. Mm-hmm. But I haven't I haven't had the pain in ages. And I, I literally had that pain every single day. By the end of the day, I'm guaranteed to have that pain. And it would just feel so uncomfortable. And it just made me feel so emotional and sad because it was like a reminder of what like everything that was going on or that had happened but that really helped um I also took up um yoga and pilates which I was advised that that will also help so rather than going back into that hardcore high intensity exercises I needed to basically learn to relax (laughs) apparently I wasn't (laughs) um (laughs) 
I don't know why that's funny, but it is. <laughs> no, but I laugh at it as well. My husband looks at me and he's like, I tell you all the time, you're too busy. <laughs> he's like, you don't you need to learn to sit down. <laughs> Yeah, gosh, but, uh, sometimes that's a really important message, isn't it? Just sometimes part of the answer, at least, is just to learn to stop and relax yeah. and breathe. And look, that is so true. And I think that was such a big thing for me. Yeah. And I try to implement, I mean, I need to get back to it. I'm not as, I think because I've been feeling better, I've not been doing it as much. But at the end of each day, I was, right, that's it. Everybody's in bed. I'm going to lay down. And you just see me, you'll come into a room, I'll be laying down on my back and my feet will just be up in the air. <laughs> Um, but it just made such a big difference mm. to learn to stop and just to take a moment. And I think a big part of it, it's it's, li- it's literally self-care, right? Yeah. And it is just stopping, but it's stopping to breathe. And even if it's to think back on the day or whatever it is, but it is just stopping. And that really helped. That helped so much. I love that. That's I think that's so interesting and something we could, I'm sure, all do better at especially you know because you you become a mum you have all these other responsibilities and we've said it before but so often you just go to the bottom of the list of to do don't you yeah always it sounds like you've had really amazing support as well from your partner I'm I'm always interested like you know when you were in the thick of it and obviously from what you've said like struggling emotionally like we all do who could you talk, like, did you tell people? Could you talk to people? Or, you know, were you, were you embarrassed to tell people? Or where was your head at? So I initially found it super embarrassing because I thought it just sounds so gross because it's technically your organs wanting to fall out, right? I thought it sounded awful. But then having started looking it up and reading about it, I realised how common it was. And so many people, you you probably know is going through the same thing and actually you're just unaware of it. So initially I was really embarrassed about it, but I have a few close friends and then obviously my husband and my mum and it really helped speaking to them about it. It just, and they have children as well, but they were just so unaware of it, but they were just all so supportive. Um, most of my friends live in London and I'm kind I'm out of London now. So they're so much further away than we used to be when we were younger, but we, they call often and send flowers and just like check in. And, and when they do manage to come over, they'll come over and be like, no, you sit down, I'll wash up. And it, it was just so um, nice knowing that obviously I knew that they're there and, but it was so nice seeing them just like step in and like be there for me literally. Cause I think I've never needed that before, Yeah. but knowing that it happened and they will do that, that really helped. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, my husband and my small group of friends and my mum, my mum was just always there with, I think just stepping in, like helping with the kids. And um, I have an extended family as well of like stepsisters and they like came around more often as well. And Aww. it was just so nice having everybody show up. Yeah. Because I think where I, where I haven't needed it before and I'm so good at just getting it all done myself. And I was just so vulnerable within the first few months. And knowing that they were there and stepped up, it was it was just so nice. That's amazing. And uh, I can't, the thing that I kind of love about your story is like, 
It's kind of like my journey, but I've taken eight years and you just like supercharged the whole thing in like 15 <laughs> months. You're like, you went through this really difficult birth, you had all these symptoms, you really struggled, it was a lot, but then you were just like, I am gonna get help. You went out there, you did the Pilates, the yoga, the osteopath, the physiotherapy, then you were like on it with the doctor, get me sorted. And the relaxing and everything. And I feel like that's the kind of person you are. You're just gonna not gonna take things lying down. You're gonna no. get out. I don't. <laughs> oh my gosh! Thank. I just felt so in control. Yeah. Um, felt like I, I just was not in control, rather, and I, I felt like I needed to do something. I think as well where the breastfeeding just wasn't working, and I really wanted it to, and I was so persistent. I was literally setting alarms and just waking up just to express because he obviously wasn't latching and there was just so many things that wasn't working and that I could not control. Yeah. I thought I had to feel like I was doing something so therefore I thought right I'm gonna sign up to the gym I'm going to Pilates <laughs> I just felt like I had to find the things that I could control to make them work just to make yeah. me feel better because I just think I would have lost it yeah yeah it yeah. was just really hard and I I really feel I needed to feel like I was trying because mm -hmm. otherwise that would have just sent me into a deeper hole yeah if that makes sense absolutely um and I think if you think back now to the prudent that sort of found herself in that situation in those early weeks and months, what do you wish she would have known at the start of this? Like, is is there anything that would have made it easy? I mean, obviously, if it had never happened, that obviously that <laughs> yes. would be great. But let's say that it did. What would have made that easier? Knowing that it's not the end, knowing that it's possible to actually get through and, you know, there's things that will help, the physio, the Pilates, the yoga, like all these, just relaxing, because that's like the easiest, you don't have to pay for that. So <laughs> if somebody had said to me, although I'm sure they did, I just didn't listen, if I had believed at the beginning that actually just taking a moment to stop, actually it would help. So if I knew that at the beginning, I don't think I would have stressed and cried like every day about it so much. <laughs> We've all cried. We've all cried. A lot. <laughs> I too much. Yeah, too much, too much. And and so how do you feel? Like, obviously, um, you know, prolapse, presumably still, still an issue and, you know, will be. And how do you feel about moving forward now? And, you know, as your kids get older and you, you get older... Do you think about it? Have you got a plan or is, are you just kind of cool with it? Or uh, I do think about it every so often, but I know that it's not the end, you know, and I, I think I, I know more now, more confident that it is literally not just going to like drop out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, sometimes that takes a while to kind of, it took me years to really feel comfortable with that idea. So I think I feel much more positive now. Um, yeah, I'm just not as worried um, about it as I was before and obviously I the pain isn't there as much I just know that it is a lifestyle change though so I do need to keep up with like the Pilates and continue to relax and not not stress as much and I think I probably quite internalize stress so I'll be all smiley and happy but actually I'm like <laughs> going a bit mad so I think I'm so much more positive and I I think it's like not the end so it's just a matter of all those things that I incorporated to make me feel better, it's just a matter of continuing and knowing that it's something that I now need to make sure I do moving forward. Yeah, and also I think just knowing that 
you know, we're all human, aren't we? And you can't you can't be great at all those things all the time. And there's always roadblocks that mean that you don't yeah. keep up with your exercises or whatever. But for me, it's just been that like, it's all right now because I know that I can and I know where to go if I need help. Yeah. And I know, I understand what's going on and, I, and, I, and I've, you know, rehabilitated and recovered to a point and I know I can do that again and maintain exactly. it. Exactly. And- yeah, exactly. No, I completely agree. And that's that's like my mindset now. And um, because in the early days, like I could not speak about it without crying or like <laughs> try not to cry, but crying anyway. It was just really hard. And I'm um, so far from there. And I just think I've come so, so far, like along the journey. So I, I do feel okay. And even in the early stages, I think just simple things as like lifting my son or taking the buggy, which I had to like, lift out of the boot every morning for the school run or whatever like I was so worried about those things or like bringing the shopping but actually I've learned all these techniques now that makes me feel confident to know that actually I am doing what I can to support my pelvic floor before lifting loads of bags or but actually my physio did say don't be like a superwoman and lift all the bags at the same time yeah (laughs) be sensible yeah (laughs) exactly Oh, I'm going to stop it there. I just, I think you're a superwoman. I think you probably, oh, you, you probably so can much. do all the bags now with everything you're just tra- <laughs> all the training you're doing. <laughs> all the bags and the buggy and the baby. <laughs> and the seven-year-old, why not? <laughs> oh my gosh. Sensible superwoman, Prudent Horton. Thank you. Um, as ever, none of this is intended as medical advice. Please find your own professional help. Um, and listen, I'm going to take a break next week. I need a little rest. But don't worry, I'll have another fabulous episode for you the week after. Um, While I've got you, I need to tell you about this really cool um, thing that's happening in June. A women's health festival in Cardiff. It sounds amazing. I'll be speaking there alongside a mind-blowing list of incredible women's health advocates looking at everything from periods to menopause, mental health and sexual well-being. It's called Every Woman Festival. Tickets are available now. Come and see us. It's going to be great. Um, So yeah, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. And in the meantime, stay well, buy the book and please help to share these conversations in whatever way you feel comfortable. You've been listening to Why Mums Don't Jump with me, Helen Ledwick. You can find me on socials at Why Mums Don't Jump or online at whymumsdontjump.com.